Welcome to the Small Bowler Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who agrees with me that Nelt is a very fine establishment, Brand Siegel. How you doing? I'm doing quite well. We, we have a person in this house who doesn't like Melt somehow, oh which gosh. I think is absolutely crazy. I know that Benny, it's, it's insane. Josh doesn't like melt. Like he just was telling me, he's like, I feel too, like it's too heavy for me. I don't oh, know. Something gosh. stupid, <laughs> some, some dumb comment. Um, of course, as always, we're with the third member of our podcast, Ben O'Brien. Uh, melt is a wonderful establishment. I haven't had melt in a really long time, probably since I've actually had it with both of you and Trevor and I got it last night, Ben. Oh my and gosh. boy, oh boy, do I have a, re- a renewed love for melt. Like I want to go back there like tonight, you know, it's life changing. Like, I, I, I like Trevor, if you want to go tonight. <laughs> We can go again. Oh, it was so, so good. good. And, and the thing is, like, Trevor made a great point the other day. We're like, uh, like, there's like nine different things I would like there. Like, there's not just like, normally I go to a restaurant, there's only a couple things. I'm like, hey, I'll get this. Melt, there's easily seven to nine sandwiches that I would get um, and that I want to get. So, I don't know. Ben, next time you're 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 back up in Cleveland, we're, we're going to Melt for yeah, sure, for sure. Life- How does Josh not um, like it? That's like that's a big red flag. I, I, I you don't sleep in the though. same you sleep in the same house as him. Like I, I wouldn't trust that guy. He probably sleeps with socks on too at this point. I, I want to point out I haven't <laughs> I've never trusted Josh <laughs> even up to this point. The melt the melt conversation didn't change that. Um, but I don't know. I I I thought it was impossible to not like melt. But if you're in the Cleveland area, I think they have some in Columbus too. I think. Yeah. Um, in any of those areas, go try Mel because it's it's amazing. Not sponsored. Uh, ben, how are you today? Uh, welcome onto the podcast. Two weeks in a row—that's an accomplishment <laughs> for you. I know. Some would say I'm on a hot streak. I'm, I'm just gonna—I'm heating up. You I are. Just like to point that out. Uh, I'm doing well. I was—I was doing great until I found out Josh doesn't like Mel. That—that that changes things for sure. I—I I don't think I can look at him the same way anymore. I really don't. Yeah. No. No. I. I, I always have looked at Josh as like a, just an, a, a wild person, but the, that take was crazy. He also had an interesting take, which we we can quickly discuss, that he likes coleslaw, which that's, that's, that's <laughs> oh such a— Oh, my that is one of the, <laughs> He's the only person under the, the age of 60 I've ever, I've ever heard. heard say that. What did we—we we gave him—we said, what would you rather have, coleslaw? Oh, this is, listen to this take. We asked him, what would you rather have, coleslaw or snickerdoodle cookies? And snickerdoodle cookies are insanely good. Insanely good. And he said he'd rather have coleslaw. No, I don't believe that. That's just he had to stand by his take. I, I don't believe no, that. No, I swear. I swear no it happened. I swear it happened. There's no way. That is a, a true thing. The soccer encyclopedia, Josh Baskin would rather have coleslaw, which is mayonnaise and cabbage. Oh, my God. Than snickerdoodle cookies, which is sugar and cinnamon. And he said, because he doesn't even like cinnamon that much. Again, another terrible take. Um, he had a lot of bad takes, bad food takes in like four seconds. I, I've never heard so many bad takes. But look, that's neither here nor there. Um, we, we got a podcast today, not going to be a, a very long one uh, because we pretty much just have the NBA finals going on. Um, which Trevor, the series is tied one, one, uh, which is very exciting. Now, before we get to the NBA finals, we do have actually a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, non-finals stuff to talk about. We have two new coaches that got hired and I'm very interested to hear your opinions on both. And we had Frank Vogel to the Suns and we had Monty Williams to the Pistons. Um, so Trevor, both of these coaching hires, very, very interesting. Um, I'm excited to hear your thoughts on both of them. Yeah, it's so tough now because it feels like we're doing like this like kind of coach roulette type thing. Coaching carousel. We're just like shifting coaches around and a lot of the coaches got fired off of teams that all won like 50 plus games like the, you know, the Bucks with Boonholzer, the Suns with Monty Williams. 
And it's just, I don't know, it's so weird. It's hard to say exactly, you know, when a coach actually deserves to be fired. I think in a lot of cases, coaches probably take more heat than, you know, they should for certain things. But Monty Williams, obviously, he, you know, the Suns kind of let him go. And now he gets to go uh, to the Detroit Pistons, which is not really a great situation to go into necessarily. Um, I mean, they do have Cade Cunningham. You know, they have some young talent for sure. Um, but it is really good for Monty Williams that he's going to get a six year, $78.5 million contract, which is absolutely absurd. It's the largest coaching deal in NBA history. So, um, in terms of the money, you know, really good for Monty Williams. Um, the Pistons, you know, it'll be a tough job. It's not one of the most ideal jobs I would say in the NBA, but nevertheless, it'll be really good for Monty Williams, you know, him, I, I think for Monty Williams, getting to mentor and coach a lot of young players, I think that's where he can really thrive. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I know maybe the DeAndre Ayton relationship wasn't necessarily a good one, but my instinct without knowing anything is that, that that's more because of Ayton and not because of Monty Williams. Um, I still think Monty Williams is a really good coach. I like him a lot from everything I've heard. I think I've heard of him on one or two podcasts. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, with the Pistons, but I think this is a good hire in f- just getting him. As far as the money, well, it's obviously it's, it's a lot. Money. It's pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean that's really my thoughts on that one. Um, Brandon, did you have any thoughts on uh, that hire, Monty Williams? Yeah, I like Monty Williams. Apparently, he's he's loved by players. They got a lot of young guys over in Detroit, um, and hopefully, he can build a good culture. Uh, he's gonna be there a while. Uh, Six year contract. Uh, it's a lot of money. So here's, here's my question though, Trevor, and, but I'm going to ask you the same question. If, you know, is he, do you think right now in his current state, he's worth that money? Take away the franchise, just coach Monty Williams. Is he worth 13 million a year or whatever it ended up being? I mean, no, not really. I mean, for him to be, I mean, I know like contracts are going up for, but for Monty Williams, who is a good coach in his own right, but to be the the largest coaching deal in NBA history. I mean, no, it, it it seems like it's, you know, more than what most other teams pay, but it's the Detroit Pistons. So, you know, if you want your job to be more appealing, I mean, I don't think if Monty Williams has a decision between say the Detroit Pistons and the Milwaukee Bucks for the same amount of money, he's probably picking the Bucks. So if you're the Pistons, in order to get a really solid coach like Monty, you might have to overpay to do something like that. So, yeah, it does definitely seem like an overpay, but who knows? Maybe this is what they had to do to get him. Right. Ben, I'm going to ask the same question to you. Does the money make sense here? I mean, sure, but let me add, I'm going to answer that question with another question for you, Brandon, or Trevor, because I don't really know. I like that. I where, love that. Where Just, does this money yeah, come from? Don't this doesn't go against the salary cap, right? So who cares how much money he's getting paid? If so, the owner wants to pay it, go for it. Like, I, how, how does it work? I have no idea. Yeah. Does it matter how much you're getting paid? So there's no, it does not go against the cap, yeah. and there, there's no limit to coaching salaries. So it's um, just it's however much they want to give, so at least it, in the NBA. So I guess the I question is that money can be leagues, used for different. other things, but like, I mean, sure, if they want to pay him $13 million a year, go for it. Like, I don't know. Is it is he worth it? I guess, um, because it's not like it's going to affect their on court spending or anything like that. Um, so sure, I guess he's worth it. I mean, he's a good coach, but I don't know. Again, I, I, I'm standing by my take from last week. If unless you're a top five coach in the NBA, which maybe this guy is, I don't know. But if unless you're a top five coach in the NBA, I don't think it matters. So whatever. 
Ben, you're going against your own statement here. You're saying he's worth the money, but unless you're a top 10 coach, why are you getting? Well, why I said top five, matter? and I, I said, I said, sure, I guess he's a top five coach. I don't know. He seems like he's a pretty good coach. I don't know anything about him. Um, so here's here's my take. There's no salary or there's no uh, salary cap for what you pay coaches. I'm I'm gonna kind of take a little bit of both your takes here. Um, I think he is a good coach, and I think like if you're the front office of whatever, it doesn't matter in this case, the Detroit Pistons, and you're like, this is our guy. We want him so bad. Like we want him to be our coach. I mean, who cares about the money? These guys are all billionaires. It's, I mean, what's thirteen million over you know each year to to a billionaire? Like it, it probably doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. And like, especially Monty Williams, who probably had at least, maybe not necessarily another offer because it was very soon, but like he definitely had other, in, like there was interest elsewhere. So like, I would imagine, I mean, why does it matter? Just just give him the money. So I think it's actually not bad. I I, I like what the Pistons did. Uh, Frank Vogel, on the other hand, what do you think about Frank Vogel, Trevor? Um, I like Frank Vogel. I mean, I, I think he did a pretty solid job with the Lakers, obviously, when they won the title in 2020. I think he's always been a good coach. Um, he's never really been like one of the top guys, like top five, top eight even. But he's always been a really solid one. And I think, you know, when the Lakers decided to move on him, I wasn't I was like, eh, I don't know if I fully agree with this because I don't really necessarily think it was Frank Vogel's fault. Um you know, but nevertheless, the Lakers decided to make that decision. We don't really know. Maybe LeBron was part of that decision. I don't know. But whatever the case, they decided to do it. And now he gets another opportunity with the Suns. So again, you know, I'm not even sure I agreed with the Suns necessarily getting rid of Monty Williams in the first place. It was a really tough decision, but they did so. And I think Frank Vogel is, you know, a, a really good coach, you know. I think in terms of his track record, the experience he has, he is more proven than Monty Williams because, you know, they won the title with the Lakers. He had quite a few good seasons with the Pacers. Monty Williams is still pretty new to this overall as a head coach. Um, he obviously had a lot of success with the Phoenix Suns, um, but he is still newer. So I think with veteran players that the Phoenix Suns have, like a Kevin Durant, like a Chris Paul, um, Devin Booker's, you know, he's still relatively young, but he's obviously had a decent amount of experience now. You can make the argument that maybe Frank Vogel is the right coach for the job. Obviously, you know, the Suns had a lot of defensive issues, which I think based on Vogel's tracker, that's where he specializes with defense. And I think that being the case, I think he might be able to um, help DeAndre Ayton become a better defender and help the Suns as a team become a better defensive team because they were not a very good defensive team, to say the least, uh, come playoff time. So, I, I mean, I like it. I like it overall for Vogel. Um, certainly compared to the the money that um, Monty Williams was getting, Vogel's is what? You said six years, $31 million yes. or something like that? Or five years, $31 million. Or five million. years, six, $31 million. So, A little yeah. over $6 million a year. Six million a year. Yeah, Frank Vogel's a really good Which coach. Which is still like really high for coaches. That would still place him, I believe, in like the top 10 across coaches in America. Um, so, you know, I, I think this is a different time for coaching. Very, very different time uh, for coaches getting paid now. Uh, and, you know, we'll see how these, these both work out. Let's get to the NBA Finals, though. We are now at 1-1. Um, and uh, Nuggets Heat 1-1. Heat won the last game 111-108, to I believe, was the final score. Um, and, uh, the series is interesting. The Heat somehow stole a game in Denver. Uh, Jokic dropped 9 million points, it seemed like. Uh, he seems like he's just an unstoppable force. Trevor, you said something er uh, earlier to me that I thought was interesting, and I'm going to repeat it here before I throw it to you. You said if they didn't win that second game, as ridiculous as the sound is, like, as dramatic as the sound, I, I completely agree with it, too. 
the Heat didn't win that second game, the series was probably over. Um, and now that they did, I think this completely changes the series. It's a huge mix-up. I did not expect the Heat to win a game in Denver. And I asked you, I said, "Have has Denver lost at home in the playoffs? And you said no. It was the first game they lost at home. Um, then you were also listening to Bill Simmons' podcast earlier, and Bill, Bill or someone on the podcast said something interesting that it's like you can't really count the Heat out. They're almost like a different team. <laughs> Almost like the 2012-2013 Baltimore Ravens. And I actually think it's a really good comparison. That was Ravens were the sixth seed. They went through and they beat the one, two, and four seed in the uh the AFC and then went and beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl. Um and that team also just seemed like there was no way they'd be able to beat the teams they went up against, and they ended up beating them. Um and the Heat do feel a little bit like that team. So Trevor, I'm gonna throw it to you to talk about the series as a whole, but I did want to get my little spiel out. Uh we're now one one, huge game from the Nuggets in game one. They almost killed the Heat. Adjustments came through. Heat win by three in the second game at Denver. First time they lost in the playoffs at home. What are your thoughts in this series? I know you get a lot of them. Yeah. So to start with like game one first, the Nuggets come out, they they look really strong. They have a big uh, I think it was 17 point lead at halftime. Uh, they go on to win that game 104 to 93. Um, ended up being a closer final score than maybe the game reflected, although, you know, you can argue, well, did the Nuggets did the Nuggets just kind of uh, let their foot off the gas or did the Heat actually like play really well in the fourth quarter? I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit of both. But in the first game, Nikola Jokic um, was just a machine. Um, he had eight assists, I think, within the first quarter, actually, um, or maybe the first quarter and a half. He finished with 14, but he was super efficient, had 14 assists, two turnovers, which is just crazy when you think about that. Having 14 assists and only two turnovers, and he had 27 points, and he made eight of his 12 shots. So just think about that as far as how efficient you are as a basketball player. You shoot 66% from the field and you have 14 assists and two turnovers. I think on the surface, that's just wild that Nikola Jokic did that. Um, he also 10 rebounds in that game. So just an incredible game from him. Obviously, Michael Porter Jr. had a really good, pretty, pretty good game overall in game one. The efficiency might not have said that in the box score, but I think he played really well. Um, and Aaron Gordon as well, obviously. And, you know, Jamal Murray did their thing. I think the biggest story out of game one and this is what I I believe I talked about this uh, when we were previewing the series. Denver has the size advantage. It's the same thing against the Lakers. They have the size advantage over the Lakers. They have the size advantage over the Heat now because they have Nikola Jokic, Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr., three guys in their starting lineup that are at least, I believe Aaron Gordon, 6'10". I think they're all at least 6'10". Or, well, this list, Aaron Gordon, Aaron Gordon at 6'8", so I guess I'm wrong about that. But either way, they have three guys that are bigs, you know, and the matchups against the Heat players when really the Heat only have one true big. That's Bam Adebayo. Outside of that, they have Caleb Martin, who until game two was starting at power forward. Now they have Kevin Love starting at power forward. But the Heat really have one true big that can consistently play really good defense and rebound and score, um, whereas Denver kind of has three, you could argue. Um, so that was the big advantage. Denver played to that advantage, um, and obviously Jokic got his teammates involved um, in that game, whereas Miami, they really only had Bam going. Bam had one of his best games of the playoffs, um, and the others kind of didn't play quite as well. Jimmy Butler struggled. Uh, Gabe Vincent had a good game, but other than that, uh, Max Struess was 0 of 10. Caleb Martin was 1 of 7. So they really struggled. In game two, that flipped around, obviously. 
The Heat come out with a big early run. Denver responds. But the story of this game, which a lot of the people are talking about, they're you know they're focusing on, well, Jokic only had four assists, right? He only had four assists in this game. And the, people are using the phrase, the Heat made him a scorer. I know Eric Spolster got pretty upset when a reporter asked him a question about this. But like, oh, the Heat made Jokic a scorer, which, which sounds kind of weird. Um, because part of, it's partly true, but it's also partly not true because, uh, you know, in part, it's just as simple as Jokic's teammates didn't shoot the ball as well. That's, that's true. That's part of it. But the other part of it is that Miami did do a really good job on Jamal Murray in particular and on um, Michael Porter Jr. and some of the other supporting cast. Uh, Jamal Murray, they, they kind of took them out of that pick and roll that Denver is really comfortable in the Jokic Murray pick and roll. They started playing a little bit more zone, which personally I did not think they'd have any success with in this series. I just thought this Denver team, it wouldn't work against like it did against the Celtics. I thought Jokic and Murray would be able to pick it apart, but it had some success in game two. It really did. And uh, Jokic and Murray weren't able to really get in that pick and roll. It was a little bit awkward. You know, I, I think the zone defense in general in the NBA, it's so weird because I think nowadays, like, teams hardly ever play it. The Heat are really, I mean, one of the only teams, if probably the only team that has had this much success with the zone. So it's interesting to see that it's working now. And I'm kind of wondering if other teams are going to take that route in the future. Future, Can we, like, can we basically copy what the Heat have done with the zone? Um, because it is a different look. Um, but you obviously have to have the personnel that can really execute it in a coach like Spolstra. So the Heat win this game. They get out 111-108, um, though they made it very stressful for me, I will say, Ben. Um, yeah. you know, you Ben, you, you watched uh, some of this game. Mm -hmm. What were some of your thoughts? Because I was obviously really stressed. I was on edge the entire game. Um, what were some of your thoughts about this game? Well, my first thought would be, man, I, I wish there was a way that I could have seen you struggle during that game, Trevor, but Brandon's not doing the only thing I asked him ever to do, which is to give me some sort of... That's the only thing you've ever asked me to do? Well, yeah. Like, ever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Never never have I relied on you for anything else in my entire life. I mean, I can I can fix my own right. Wi-Fi for God's sake. Like, why don't, I didn't need you for anything. <laughs> um, the one thing I asked you to do was to give me some updates on what how Trevor was going into the series, because, I mean, Trevor, this is Trevor's team. This is live or die moments for him I, I wanted to see him, the roller coaster that was game game two and i i was deprived of that or i was i was i was uh mm -hmm. robbed Look, Trevor, or, because ben, i'll give you this was too i'll busy give you this whatever. he was a he was very vocal during the game i i, I, I heard him a lot i like that <laughs> was he was trevor coaching from from his couch <laughs> trevor trevor was coaching okay i like that see <laughs> i was, like that he was coaching i, I wish i was a trevor he, he's shaking his head he knows he was coaching. what we need to do he was doing his best we need to have a live stream just put it just put a camera on trevor and just live stream it i just want to watch trevor just watch this game i don't even care about i'd rather just watch trevor watch the game i don't even need to watch the game myself i just want to watch trevor's reaction because there's probably some pacing there's you know, probably some yelling some coaching he's probably questioning spolstra's rotations or whatever it is i don't know no, nah, not Spolster's rotation. I was I was questioning the players' shot selection <laughs> and also them not fouling up three. Yeah, Trevor, not fouling Jamal Murray up three. I was really upset. How about with. that? Because because um, Van Gundy and Jackson were saying that that they should foul up three and they let it go. Yeah, I was I was pretty surprised by that. 
You know, Ben, you could have FaceTimed me while we were watching while I was watching the game. You could have just I should have done that. Trevor, if it goes to a game seven, if it's if this goes to a game seven, I might have to do that. There's nothing I'd want I'd want more than to watch Trevor. You know what? If it goes to game seven, maybe I'll just maybe I'll just show up in Cleveland, Ohio for that game. There's nothing yes, I want there's nothing I want to exactly see more than, than Trevor in a game seven NBA finals. Oh, for his favorite team, I think it'd be it, as as someone who doesn't actually care who wins, just enjoying the ride. Um, I hope it does go seven games and I and I, I want to see Trevor's every reaction to that game because I think that would be hilarious to watch. Um, I'll say this. I, I pray, I hope it does not go to seven games. Trevor, Trevor, Trevor's going to be so nervous during that game. Oh my gosh. That would be a, a rough one. It'd be great. Because here's the thing be so at that funny. point, if you're the underdog, right? Like the heat of the underdog yeah. in the series. And yeah. you, can, you know, that's, that's obvious. If you're an underdog in a series and you go to a game seven like that, or, you know, whatever the case may be, it doesn't matter if it's baseball or football. It doesn't matter what the sport is. You go into that final game. You, you at this point have been given the taste of, oh, we have a chance. Yeah. yeah you absolutely. know, and when it comes crushing down, cause like the odds aren't in the favor of, you know, yeah. the team that isn't favored to win the series. That's, that's just a crushing feeling to be like so close yet so far. So that's not, that's, I don't, I don't want to. I hope it does not go to seven games. I don't care who wins. I want the Heat to win. I really do. Especially now that they're basically the 2012-2013 Baltimore Ravens. Uh, um, I, 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 uh, that's a selling point. Trevor, I, 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 I really point. didn't care, but now I got to be all in on the Nuggets. I can't. I cannot support Brandon claiming another, <laughs> another Super Bowl championship for his Ravens just based off oh, the Heat man. winning this finals. I can't do it. So I'm essentially, I, I'm essentially. I can't a claim fan. another Super Bowl off them winning, but I, I, I can claim that they got inspiration from them, and it's actually the Ravens kind of did win. If the Heat win, the Ravens did kind of win. No, well, what that's if, a good point, Ben. What if Thank I you compare the that. What if I compare the Heat to the 21-22 Cincinnati Bengals? Then that's, you a, for the that's Heat? a great. Hey, hey, man. Uh, you know the doubted out, everyone against them. Why not us mentality? I yeah, agree. I, I really exactly. do think. I think that's a way better comparison. The media is not media is against them. I agree. I think that's a way better comparison. I'm a Heat fan now. I really hope the Heat win. I really uh, hope 2012, that he 2013. I'm a Heat fan now. Last really seed. They got there one go. player carrying the team. All right. The Bengals were very good that year. They won a lot of games. All right, but, but still, <laughs> they were, they they were, were definitely underdogs. I mean, the Heat have won a lot they of games too. They've won 44 games this year, and still everyone's doubting them. It's almost like the Cincinnati That is not Bears. a lot of games. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> that, is, that is not a lot. Crazy. They are an eight seed through and through. Um, anyway, um, that, that, not games. the point. But um, yeah, in terms of game two, I. I, I think the we can we can say that the series has officially begun now that the road team has won a game. That's always the saying, right? Um, and I, I'm good for the Heat. Like I, I think obviously when you're when you in, in this format, like you're the road team, you want to win one of the first two games on the road because now you have. Um, I guess you could say the advantage going back home. I I still think the Heat are the underdog here, but at the very least, they're not in they're not in the hole. O two, they're they're series tied, two games at home. They're in a good position. I think if you're a Heat fan, Trevor, obviously it'd be stupid for me to say there's nothing more you could ask for. Obviously, you could ask to be up 2-0. But um, I think you're in a good position. You really can't be upset with 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 splitting on the road. I'd the first be two very games. happy. Especially not, after game one. There is not one. much more you can ask for. No, after game one, I mean, you get you get the doors right. blown off you game one to come out and, and, and play as well as they did. And it was kind of a game of runs, as basketball always is. But um, the Heat were able to withstand that kind of final push from, from the Nuggets uh, at the end of the fourth quarter to obviously win the game. So... Um, good for the Heat, and like you said with, with Jokic, and we've talked about it. Like what they did, exactly what what the experts, quote unquote experts, have always said. You have to make him a one dimensional player, and that's what they did. Um, obviously, he scored a lot, but he wasn't doing a whole lot of anything else, which is which is all you can ask for, right? You can't stop him; you can contain him. Um, and they did that to the best of their ability. I have again, I have a lot of faith in Spolstra. He's a fantastic coach. I think Trevor said it last week, and I agree. At this point, you, it's hard to argue that he's not the best coach in the NBA. 
Um, so I, I think that the Heat did exactly what they had to do. So, you know, credit to the Heat. Obviously, you know, you know players like you know, role players for the Heat that, that were garbage in game one, like Duncan Robinson and whoever else, um, were, were better in this game. And, and Jimmy Butler being Jimmy Butler, he's going to get you buckets at the end, which is what he did. He didn't play great in this game, in my opinion, Trevor. But um, that, those 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 mid-range jumpers down the stretch that, that kind of sealed the game um, kept them kind of up a couple possessions down to the end, obviously, until there was one possession at the end. But um, Jimmy Butler doing his thing was 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 what you needed, all you needed to win that game. So um, credit the Heat. I'm happy for him. Uh, I, 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 I've gone back and forth 10 times in the last five minutes about who I'm rooting for. But but since Trevor so smartly said they're basically the Cincinnati Bengals, I guess, you know, go Heat. Let's see what they can do. Everyone doubted us, Trevor. There we go. Everyone doubted us, Trevor. You know, us against the world. Yes. Nobody thinks we can do it. Still doubting us. Media darlings for the other team. But you know what? We're gonna we're gonna do everything we can um, with 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 um, no support to 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 come away with the championship. And that's all we can ask for. All right. So Ben is rooting for the Baltimore Ravens. That's what I'm hearing. No, no, he's not. He's rooting for the Bengals. Mm. Yes, rooting for absolutely. the Bengals. Absolutely. <laughs> um. But yeah, Ben. I you know I was. Kind of, I, so I, this morning when I woke up, I rewatched the end of the game. Um, and nice. I was taking some notes nice, on it dude. because in the third quarter, in the third quarter, the Nuggets had a 73 to 70 lead. Yeah. Um, you know, it was close because the Heat were shooting well. Obviously, they, they had a really good shooting performance from three. They made 17 out of 35 threes, which is, you know, when you outscore the opposing team and, you know, in three pointers by 18 points, that obviously is going to give you a big upper hand. But at this point, um, Bam checked out of the game. And this is a sticking point for me. This has been probably my biggest um, qualm with Eric Spolstra. Bam, Bam just has to play every single minute. You 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 literally cannot take Bam out of bio out because as soon as you do, everything just just falls apart. Basically, you they keep putting in Cody Zeller. He plays like eight minutes a game, and in those eight minutes, the Heat are outscored by a hundred. It's it's just not good, and that was kind of the case again in this game. Cody Zeller played eight total minutes. He was a minus fourteen. How are you at minus fourteen in eight minutes? I I really I really don't know. But Cody Zeller checked in. They went on a big run, and immediately the Nuggets they extend the lead to eight points from five. Jokic scored eight points on Zeller, and Zeller had two turnovers within that eight minutes. I believe. Um, well, they credit him for one turnover, but it, he pretty much had two, if you ask me. Um, and then after that, um, you know our. You know, one of our one of Brandon and I both's favorite players, Duncan Robinson, has ten points in the fourth quarter, just when it seemed like the Nuggets might have ran away with the game. And that's that was really the biggest that was kind of the most important time in the game was early fourth quarter. And Duncan Robinson, I mean, the box store score, I mean, he only had ten points. I get it. He was a minus six, but Duncan Robinson was one of the most important players yesterday because of how critical that time was. And he, he went on a run pretty much by himself. He hit a, he pump faked on a three Jamal Murray bit on it and he hit the three and then he drove in a layup and then he hit another three after that. So Duncan Robinson was huge, obviously in this game. So was Gabe Vincent, another really good Gabe Vincent performance, 23 points. Um, and then Jimmy Butler, like you said, Ben, didn't have a great game. I totally agree with you. But he had a stretch there mid-fourth quarter where he had two he, – or he hit a three. Um, yeah, he hit a three in the corner, and then he got like an and one to go in, I think on back-to-back possessions, which extended the lead to seven. Um, and from there, 
the heat would then get up to a 12 point lead. And from then on, it's, it's just hard to come back from a 12 point lead with only three and a half minutes. The Nuggets almost did it um, in part because of Jamal Murray's greatness and also in part because of Miami's bad shot selection. But nevertheless, you know, a win is a win. The heat did hold on. Um, and ultimately that's all that matters. They got one in Denver. So we'll see what they could do in Miami. Um, they obviously would be amazing if they can win both. Um, but even if they win one, you put yourself in a position where it's tied up, um, and you just have to win the best two out of three, you know, get to a game seven. And in that game seven, anything can kind of happen. So, you know, we'll see. I, I do think it's a, it's very much a competitive series now, but the Nuggets, you know, they're the more talented team. Um, they're going to make adjustments in game three. And obviously, like I mentioned earlier, those Nuggets role players, um, you know, they, they weren't shooting well. So, and, you know, they had some open looks. Jokic created some open looks for them that could have been more assists for them, but, you know, some of those guys didn't knock them down, in particular, Michael Porter Jr. So, I would expect them to probably bounce back, but we will have to see. It's been a it's been a good series so far. It's been a good finals. And that's why I kind of wanted to think about like um in terms of Jok- well, Jokic in particular, because I think that it's I don't know if people are acknowledging enough how great Jokic already is as like an all-time player and what this championship would do for him if he if the Nuggets did go on to win it. Um I mean, Brandon, we were talking about this a little bit earlier with Jokic. Mm-hmm. Um, Giannis just recently, two years ago, he won his first championship. Um, he's probably already like a top 25 player. I think Jokic, with a win here in this championship, you can make a pretty good argument that he also might be in the top 25 or at least top 30 with that. Do you do you have any thoughts on that, Brandon? I was saying earlier, I, I think we could almost for sure put him in the top 25 with or without a championship. And I think mainly if you just look... Like, I, it's kind of hard to do this against, like, older players, but if you just look at the eye test here and, like, what Jokic has been able to do and how dominant he is, it feels very Shaq-esque to me. Not that they play the same, but how dominant he is and how dominant Shaq was. And I think if we're talking about, like, greats, um, you know, dominance is a very, very important part of it. And there's been very few players that have been able to dominate at this type of level that Jokic has been able to dominate it at. Um, getting the championship, excuse me, is going to be just one, you know, one more card he can add to his arsenal, um, you know, in this conversation. Uh, but nevertheless, to me, he's already top 25. I'd argue he could even be pushing top 20, which is what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people are throwing out like comparisons to Jokic. Like, who is he most like? Like, is he like a Dirk or a Tim Duncan or a Steve Nash or Larry Bird? All these like random comparisons. Um, and Jokic is so unique. It's yeah. definitely hard to to give him one comparison. Um, I I think in, in the way he approaches the game, it, it feels a lot like Tim Duncan. To me. He's very say. quiet. Yeah, I agree. He doesn't really, you know, he doesn't want to be in the spotlight. He doesn't care about it. Um, it really does remind me, remind me of Tim Duncan. Now, obviously Tim Duncan, he won a championship his rookie year. He was already winning championships. Uh, I think by this point in his career, he probably already had two or three. Um, but Jokic is kind of like that in the way he approaches the game. Um, and even, you know, some of the post moves are a little bit like Duncan. Um, seems like the way he leads his team is a little bit like Tim Duncan. So that's honestly maybe my best comparison. Obviously, he's been compared to Dirk for a while now, and I think there are elements of Dirk, um, but I think Duncan even more so, just in terms of the way he approaches the game. Um, But Ben, I mean, what do you think? I mean, from watching Jokic, uh, you know, this year, 
what do you think? Do you think he's he can be like a top twenty five player all time, like after this after this series, or do you think maybe we need more more time? Well, I, I do feel like it's a it's a relatively small sample size. I mean, the dude's only been in the league for what five six years, which is a, a decent amount, but um, he's not even thirty yet, so he still has a lot of time left. I will say though, and you made a good point. Like I, I would I would agree with you if I had to compare him to anyone, it'd be Tim Duncan, just the way that that he can can play the post he can shoot a jumper he can pass the ball he can rebound um but i do think something that that will ultimately help his legacy like you said trevor is his uniqueness i mean the dude's a freaking unicorn out there like there he is he is unlike anyone that has ever played the game and i think that is so memorable and that is so beneficial to to any sort of legacy conversation that you have with him um because there's no one that you can say oh well he you know, so-and-so was just like him, and he, he wasn't as good as so-and-so because he's, he's very different. Even Tim Duncan, he's very different than in a lot of different ways. So, um, yeah, I think I think Jokic, when it's all said and done, absolutely will be a top whatever it is. You could even say maybe a top 15 player of all time. Who knows? I mean, the dude's 28 years old. So uh, we're assuming that that he can keep up this 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 level for, for multiple more seasons. Um, I, I think the, the, the sky is the limit for him in terms of where he will be when, when his career is ultimately all said and done. Um, again, because of what he can do and all the, all the different things that he can do. And it's, it's almost, I mean, like you think about all, all the great players in NBA history, they're all very good. They're all elite at multiple things. And, and Jokic is no different. His scoring ability, his rebounding ability, his passing ability, the way that he can space the floor. Um, he is, he is an elite talent in so many different ways. And that's what makes him such a valuable player for, for, for his team, obviously. So yeah, I mean, I I have no issue with with the statements that you guys are saying. I think he's a fantastic player, and I think he's going to continue to to dominate basketball for many years because, like we saw, the Heat take away his passing ability. Okay, he drops forty points on him. I mean, he is able to to contribute to the game in so many different ways that it's going to be impossible to stop him from doing multiple things. You have to just pick one, and you're going to have a, have to live with um, the damage he's going to do in some sort of other category. So. He's the type of guy like you want him on your team. He makes his teammates better because he how it, uh, uh, because of how involved he can get his teammates. So um, I, I really like Jokic. I, I think he's fun to watch. I think he's he's easy to root for because of how soft spoken and how for the most part very humble he is. Um, and I think it helps that he's not in a huge media market in Denver. Um, so yeah, I, I have no issue with with this conversation. I think he's a fantastic player, and I think he's going to be a fantastic player for years to come. Yeah, I think because I was just thinking about while you were talking, I was I was thinking that where the level he's at right now, the way he's playing, I think is probably better than any point of Dirk's career, to be honest. Like, I remember watching Dirk in the 06 finals uh, and the level he was at, which he was one of the best players in the NBA, obviously, at that point. And even in 2011, he was still really good, obviously, when the Mavs finally got their title. I think Jokic right now is probably better than Dirk was at any point in his career. So I I think, you know, again, he's been in the league for seven or eight years now. Um, you longevity's a part of this, right? And Dirk play, had a 21-year career and stuff like that. But eventually, Jokic, I mean, on the trajectory he's on, he'll pass Dirk and he'll pass, you know, some of these other guys to get into at least the top 20, maybe 15. Um, but yeah, I mean, this Denver team's really good. They have a really good foundation and they're, again, it's going to be tough for the heat to win three more games, especially if Jimmy Butler does not start playing better. And I think, you know, part of this, he did like tweak his ankle in the Celtic series in that game seven. Um, so I, you know, I'm wondering like how, how 
much as it's affecting him, it's hard to say, but clearly Jimmy Butler has not been the same since game two of that Celtic series. So he's going to have to play better and we can, we can talk about Jimmy Butler too and his legacy, obviously, you know, not nearly as high as Jokic, but still what he's done in the past few years with Miami, he's definitely kind of vaulted into, I don't know whether it's a top hundred or even like a top 75, I think those conversations, you know, are have to be had, I think, at this point with how good Jimmy Butler's been. So we'll see how this series finishes out. It's going to be a really fun series. Again, even if you're just like a neutral fan, obviously, I'm going to say this is a Miami Heat fan, but even if you're a neutral fan, the Heat winning last night, again, for Nuggets fans, it's not a good thing. But for everyone else, the Heat winning last night, I think, is a fantastic thing for this finals. I, I think in general when underdogs win, it's it's better for like people who are not invested because it you know the series goes longer and there's a better storyline. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it'll be an exciting uh, couple games we have before the next podcast. Um. Trevor Ben, anything else you guys want to talk about before we, before we kind of wrap it up here? What were our predictions? I forget already. Did we all predict the the Nuggets? To I win? think. I don't remember. Yeah. I think we all predict the Nuggets to win. I you said seven. I think Trevor and I both said six. Okay. Right? Yes, yes. I just that's Correct. gonna that's gonna um, that's gonna decide who I'm rooting for. And I just need this game to go. Or need this series to go seven games so I can see Trevor freak out. <laughs> so you you okay? You still want the Nuggets to win then because you predicted it? I mean, I don't really care about that. I've been I've been wrong many times. <laughs> Trevor, I will continue to be wrong many times. That doesn't bother me. Um, no, I just want to see this go seven games because I, I I think you'll lose sleep if this series goes seven games. I really do, and I think that'll be hilarious. No offense. I really want the Heat to win. I I, I really yeah. do not not because of you. Just like I'd like to see an underdog win. Um, so so you want the Heat so to win, we'll, Trevor? We'll who do you want to win? What team do you want to win? <laughs> just to I clarify, in case the viewers okay. don't know. Well, I'm just. Know I, 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 we can't all be rooting for the Heat. I'll, I'll root for the Nuggets. Game three, I'll be a Nuggets fan. Why? Why that. can't we? I don't know. There's too much support on the Heat on this podcast. Yeah, okay, that's fine. That's fine. Nuggets game three. I'll root for Nuggets game three. Here's what you'll do. Here's what we're gonna do. Trevor's gonna root for the Heat. You know it's his team. Ben, you root for the Nuggets. I'm gonna root for a tie. I'm gonna root for the game <laughs> seven to just never end. It'll continuously go on Trevor's, nine million overtimes. Yeah, just just they'll have to go to a fair representation on the podcast. They'll have to go to a free throw shoot off between like Bam Adebayo and I don't know whoever the worst free throw shooter is on the uh the nuggets and that's gonna decide the series deandre jordan please deandre jordan yeah <laughs> please. yeah also shout out udonis haslam he's he's contributing a lot i really do he, the, the amount of mental reps that that dude gets in a game is is impressive i will say shout out he shout supposedly out is like a a very good figure around yeah, I mean, the team yeah i mean he's essentially he's a coach pretty much a coach point. yeah he's a coach yeah but i just they always show him right, on the well, bench think... and he always cracks me up just while i'm like oh yeah i forgot he's still yeah, technically he's... an nba player even though he's like 80 years old he is he is. All right. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there for today. Uh, we appreciate you all listening to today's episode. Um, go subscribe. Leave five star review if you enjoyed it. Follow us on Twitter at the Small Baller, and of course, check out our website, thesmallballers.com. Um, stay tuned for all of our podcasts that are coming out. Um, those are the two ways. We just had a Cinemaniacs episode on uh, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse, which that movie was insanely good. Um, and more Cinemaniacs episodes are coming out soon. Our next episode will be on the Elementals. Uh, which is a new Disney Pixar animated movie. Very excited about that. And of course, we'll be back next week on Monday for the Small Baller Podcast. Um, going back to Mondays, um, which will be nice. Um, so yeah, with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons!